expand your mind and enrich your world. It's time for another outstanding podcast from ICRT. That sound you're hearing is the sound of a group of volunteers receiving orientation at Taipei-based animal shelter Animals Taiwan. For years now, volunteers just like these have been helping the shelter carry out its mission to rescue Taiwan's strays from the street and get them ready for adoption. But Animals Taiwan is facing a bit of a transition now. Organizers say the land for the shelter has been repossessed for a government project, and they'll have to relocate within the year. That's a really challenging task for a shelter that houses as many as 80 animals at any time and relies on volunteer support. So on the show today, we're going to be making a trip to the shelter to learn a little bit more about what it takes to keep all those cats and dogs they house happy and healthy. Well, it was there I caught up with Animal Taiwan's chairperson Lisa Milne, and we started our conversation with that very question. It's basically the same as keeping an animal at your home. You know, they need medical care.、Um, they need monthly preventive medication. When they first come here, they need to be quarantined so that we can see if they're healthy or if there's any problems. They need socialization with both humans and other animals,、um, and they just need love and attention, really. So it seems like a, a big part of what goes into the thinking of this center is matching the resources that you have with what you're trying to do, not trying to do too much, and、uh, always trying to match those two things. So can you talk a little bit about that? About how making sure that your resources match what you're trying to do affects the decisions that you make here? Well, of course, we want to make sure that every animal here has a quality. Of life,、um, and so we need to make sure that we have the staff and the volunteers to take care of each and every animal properly. You know that we're making sure that nothing slips by us, that a dog hasn't been hurt or a cat hasn't become sick that we don't notice.、Um, so our major concern is, you know, the amount of people we have to take care of the animals to the amount of animals that we can take in.、Um, so we have to make sure that there's not too many animals that the staff and volunteers、um, need to take care of. Um, and of course, financially,、um, you know, spaying, neutering, medication,、um, monthly prevention, medication, food,、um, grooming, everything like that costs money.、Um, so each animal needs to have that amount of financial care. So we need to make sure that we have enough to cover everything, and then we can keep helping other animals. And what kind of situations can arise when those kind of calculations aren't taken into consideration? The main thing is hoarding. Uh, you know, hoarding where people keep taking in、uh, more animals than they can physically take care of,、um, and then you know, fighting breaks out between dogs or even cats if they're kept in a large area with each other.、Uh, medical problems can、uh, go unnoticed,、um, and so you know, you need to make sure that. Um, the animals are cared for.、Um, if there's too many, then you just physically and financially cannot do that properly. Would you say that this is a big issue at other centers in Taiwan?、Um, I do feel around Taiwan that there is, because of the amount of stray animals there are in Taiwan, people feel helpless. People feel that they have to do as much as possible、uh, with limited resources, both、uh, financially and with, you know. People, manpower,、um, and so they take on far too much. 
and they keep the animals and they keep keeping them uh, becomes hoarding um, and people lose sight of you know the actual quality of care that they're giving um, and they just think you know I've just got to take this animal in if it's in with me then it's safe but actually you know when it becomes too many animals in a, a small environment with not enough care then probably the animal would have been better off out in, in the mountains or, or on the streets uh, rather than kept up in cages and stuff like that. Does this ever become like kind of a heart-wrenching decision to make, the decision between doing more or, you know, kind of just making sure that you do the things that you're capable of doing? Every day. <laughs> um, yeah, I can honestly say that um, I cry pretty much every night um, because uh, Facebook and other things like that, media, where, you know, there are so many animals that need help. And you feel, well, well, why can't I just rescue this one? Or what about that one? Or that one needs help. But you always have to keep in your mind the animals that you have in your care right now. And you mustn't lose sight. They still need your love. They still need the, the medical care. They still need the attention. And so you have to balance it. And sometimes it can be um, heart-wrenching and disappointing. And you can feel, am I doing enough? You know, um, but you have to keep going. So uh, what kind of regulations would you like to see in place for uh, any kind of facility that has large number of animals, whether it be a breeder or whether it be uh, another uh, rescue center like your own? Um, I feel that there's definitely got to be more control, that the animals need to have uh, adequate space, um, adequate medical care you know attention you know animals do need um that attention that love um and so i feel the government needs to be more controlling of all the the shelters the government shelters the breeders and the pet stores um they all need to be checked up upon you know do on the spot checks and just go in and say hey i want to have a look around um and they should be able to do that at any time to make sure that the animals are properly taken care of that there are not you know animals that need medical care and are just left to the side while new animals come in um there should be a minimum of animals to a certain amount of space um you know cages should be uh, x amount size you know depending on the size of the animals if they need to be kept in cages uh all of this needs to be monitored um fines can be delivered but also incentives can be delivered to to help private shelters to think like okay well if I do this well you know if I keep the animals well then the government will give me an incentive uh, whether it be financial incentive or, or help with uh, giving places for events or, or giving coupons for vet care or whatever they want to give to give incentives to the people that are helping these animals um, I think that will make you know all of the organizations work harder would you say that there's any special challenges to running a center like this in Taiwan as opposed to some other country? Support. You know, uh, I'm, I'm from the UK, so I get a lot of information and I visited uh, places in the UK, uh, the RSPCA uh, and things like that. They have a lot more support from the community give you an idea a shelter i've visited in the uk they have around about the same animals that we do around about 80 to 90 dogs and around about well they have more cats they have about 40 to 50 cats but they have 17 staff full-time staff 
we have two full time and two part time. So you know the support and the, the financial support they get from the local community, from the people, is a lot more than what we get. Um, and so also the stray population in many other countries has been controlled uh, and so they don't have that they're sort of mopping up the more abandonment of pets and things like that whereas in Taiwan we're still battling against the uh, the stray population and the dogs that are continuing uh, to be born and um, you know continuing to be hurt in traps and things like that Okay, we're going to leave our conversation with Lisa Milne just for a moment to speak with one of the center's full-time staffers who carries out day-to-day functions like cleaning the animals, feeding them, and giving them medicine. I just uh, work here about three years, and then I'm the worker of animal care. This is Wing Yi. I asked her to take me on a little tour to get a better sense of everything that the shelter does. Now, first up, we're going to be visiting the dog house. Just like it sounds, it's where the dogs sleep at night or hide out on a rainy day. It's a big building, several floors, a lot of different rooms, and part of Wing E's job is deciding who sleeps where. I will separate all the dogs, maybe three to five dogs a room. You can see so many rooms here, and um, if the dogs, they cannot uh, run the stairs, I will keep them on the first floor. If they can run, they can go upstairs, downstairs, uh, they will go to the second floor. Are there any other things that you look for when you decide what groups a dog should go in? You know, every, every room, they have a dog leader. Not me to control them. It's they have their mind, which one is the, the leader. And then one room only can have one leader. So the leader can control them. And uh, we will choose them to keep a room. Maybe I will do that with the other staff together. Yeah, you know, uh, different people have different opinion, and then we will choose which one is the best. So you really need to know these dogs really well in order to decide where they should be. Yeah, if they stay here for a long time, I I know them. But new admission, uh, I need to uh, maybe three days, four days to observe what is the character of them, or maybe the how is the emotion of them. A lot of the animals that the shelter takes in are sick or disabled. So many of the areas are set up to help animals with different kinds of ailments. Now we've already been to the doghouse, so let's take a visit to one of the rooms for cats now. This room uh, is the uh, isolation room for the cats. This is where they keep the cats who carry diseases that could spread throughout the shelter. Here, Wingy introduces me to one of the cats they've had to isolate. No, no, suspect uh, FIP. FIP is the disease will transmit to another normal cat. So she needs to separate, separate to take care. And then she needs warm, so you will see the lights to keep warm. And then warm pet, and then her food, uh, her cat litters, all separate to the normal cats. So uh, for uh, take care Nona, we need to wash hands and then change our clothes or wear the apron, something like that. It really does seem like a, a lot of work goes into this, and it's almost, you know, kind of a, a burden to take in all these sick animals. In your view, I mean, why do you think it's important that you do that, that you take them in? Uh, you know, our shelter uh, rescues so many dogs, and so many is very, uh, the condition condition is very serious. So uh, if we our shelter didn't rescue them, they will die on the road. And then we, will, we won't choose dogs. We just choose which one is the most dangerous and most important to rescue.
if our if we didn't take care of them, maybe they will fighting, maybe they will uh something like the diarrhea, vomits. We don't know, and then they will dis- uh, transmit to the every the other dogs. A 2009 census from the Council of Agriculture estimated Taiwan's stray dog population at about 85,000. Animals Taiwan believes the figure is much higher. Back to Lisa Milne, she says a conservative estimate would be 900,000. But whichever figure is closer to the truth, it's undeniable that strays are everywhere in Taiwan. So I asked Lisa, you know, why is that? What's stopping us from getting this population under control? I want to say, first of all, you know, in Taiwan over the last 20 years, it's definitely gotten better.、Um, but yeah, the three main problems are、uh, factories and farmlands that keep animals for guard dogs or for various other、uh, reasons that they don't spay and neuter their dogs, and they're allowed outside, you know, to roam free and to carry on breeding, and they will not stay in the same area because there's not enough resources for them, food, space. Etc. So they will move on to other areas and carry on breeding. Breeders,、uh, pet stores, when they, you know, are finished breeding, they can't breed anymore, or they're not getting enough money, or they're defective. Then they'll throw their dogs out into the streets. You know, there's been many cases where the breeders have thrown out thirty, forty dogs at a time.、Um, and of course, if they're not caught or and adopted or helped, then they will carry on breeding. Um, that's why you get, you know, some of the stray dogs. They're not exactly all u- uniform. You know, they're different sizes, different colors,、um, and then of course irresponsible ownership. People are not spaying and neutering their pets.、Um, they're not chipping them enough. You know, and so if a dog does get lost or scared,、um, you know, the chances of you finding it, getting it back,、uh, can be quite slim. And then if it's not spayed or neutered, then it goes out and has more. Puppies and kittens, and so you say that it has gotten better o- over the last number of years.、Um, what would you say is behind that improvement? What's changed? I think media. I think a lot of Taiwanese people are seeing that the the Taiwanese、uh, mixed breed or even the Taiwanese mixed、uh, breed cats, you know, are much healthier.、Um, they're much better, and people are more willing to adopt now. They know that yeah, I can adopt、uh, a puppy. I can adopt a younger dog, and、um, they're just as good, and actually a lot better than going to a pet store where you buy a dog that's probably inbred,、um, has diseases, has deformities, you know, later on in life, and they're starting to get more and More educated that actually adoption is the way to go, and they are starting to chip more, and they are starting to spay and neuter. It's definitely the local community,、uh, you know, the Taiwanese people that have stepped up and、uh, definitely changed their mindset and are much more proud to have their Taiwanese Formosa black dogs as their best friend. Right, because previously maybe there were weren't such positive connotations about black dogs. Yeah, black dogs in Taiwan have also always got the the bad end of the stick because、um, they were always used. Guard dogs, you know, having a black dog at nighttime when you go to break into a, a store or whatever, this dog comes at you, you're going to be scared. But you know, dogs are what the owners teach them to be. So a black dog, a yellow dog, a white dog, you know, a purple dog, you know, they're going to be what you teach them to be. They're going to be friendly. They're going to be loyal. They're going to give you love. You know, color has no effect on that. And so people are realizing that now, and realizing that you know the Taiwan Tugo is the the best dog for Taiwan. Short hair, upright ears,、uh, long nose. All of this has been adapted for the weather, the environment in Taiwan. So people are realizing that more and more now, and、uh, are taking pride in their own country's dog. 
So at this point, what do you think would uh, need to? What are the areas that still need to be improved in order for this to move closer to you know not being such a huge issue? The government needs to step up. Uh, the government needs to you know penalize the the breeding facilities. They need to check the breeding facilities and the the pet stores. Uh, make them pay tax. Make sure that they chip their animals. Make sure that their animals have the proper paperwork. You know, uh, unfortunately, a lot of the breeding facilities. You know, mum is put together with uh, son, uh, daughter is put together with dad, and that's very bad breeding. Will cause great problems later on and those dogs will get dumped the government needs to step up that the government needs to give more incentives for people to spay and neuter their pets um needs to give coupons for vets or whatever um they need to encourage people to adopt um but they also need to to encourage the communities to have you know stray dogs in their communities that are spayed and neutered but they're community dogs they live outside they're they're healthy um but they're monitored and the government needs to to recognize that and then also help the people to be able to take care of those dogs. Now, there's so many stray dogs in Taiwan. Obviously, uh, the, the, the number that shelters are able to take in is just a very, very tiny, small fraction of, uh, of that total number. In what way do you think that uh, an animal shelter like Animals Taiwan is able to contribute to that overall story of, of improving the situation in Taiwan? Education is number one. Educating both the young and old. You know that spaying and neutering is a good thing. Chipping is a good thing. Um, but also, we do something called CNR and TNR. Uh, CNR uh, is capture, neuter, return, and that's for dogs. TNR is trap, neuter, return, and that's for cats. And it's going into the communities where they have a pack of dogs or, or uh, kittens, uh, cats. And so we go in and we assess the situation: how many animals are in that area, who's feeding them, what regular times, how do the community feel about these animals? If everything looks good, then we'll go in and catch hopefully 100% of the the animals with the feeder's help, get them spayed, neutered, vaccinated, chipped, and then they live their life out in that community. And this is the you know the worldwide known most humane way to control the stray population. So this whole shelter, you guys need to move to a new location pretty soon. Can you tell us a little bit about that, just in terms of uh, what's going to be involved in that move and, and what kind of support you're going to be looking for to make that possible? Uh, we need to move by the end of the year. Everywhere in this area is being uh, taken back by the government to make a, a science park. So we have to. We don't have a choice. We have to move. Uh, we want to keep a place that is near to the the city center where people can come out every day. Um, here we're very proud that we're open all the time, every day. People can come and walk dogs, come and visit the cats, come and socialize with them. Uh, we want to keep that going. So we definitely don't want to be moved too far away into the mountains, but we want a secure area where we're not going to have to move again. And we want an area that is legal. Uh, there's lots of land restrictions in Taiwan, um, and so you know we're gonna, you know, we definitely need to find the land this year. Um, but then once we do find the land, we're gonna have to do some very hardcore fundraising. Um, we're probably gonna lead between three to five million start off just to rebuild. Um, Uh, get everything sorted out. Moving the animals there, it's going to be a, a long process of moving, rebuilding, um, and taking away from this place. You know, we'll have to keep two places open at the same time until we're fully into the new place. So, 
we will definitely need um, everybody's help and support at that time to help keep her eyes and ears open for a place for us. Yeah. And uh, just in terms of other ways that people can help, I know that there's a lot of volunteers that contribute to Animals Taiwan. Can you say just say a little bit about uh, what somebody who's interested in supporting the group can do? You know, for Animals Taiwan, we welcome you to come and visit our center. We have training uh, twice a month, volunteer training. Um, you get to learn about Animals Taiwan, what we do, how we do things. Um, you can come and walk dogs, come and play with the cats. Um, we have events pretty much every month, uh, whether they are secondhand sale events or other sale events or pub quizzes, things like that. We need volunteers to help us with those kinds of things. Translation, you know, we're an expat and local uh, organization so we often need things translated from Chinese to English or vice versa you know dog trainers if you have any uh, experience training dogs we always need dog trainers uh, foster homes we're always in need of foster homes when we uh, rescue puppies or kittens that cannot come into the center for their safety um, we need places for them to go to two to three months until they're fully vaccinated and can come into the center um, and you know basically education you know spreading the word you know getting people to adopt you know veering people away from the pet stores uh, helping us on Facebook repost that's always, you know, Facebook is a lifesaver. <laughs> um, so reposting, you know, people think that, oh, all I can do is this. But actually, you know, my personal motto is every little counts, whether it's, uh, you know, five, ten minutes of your time or, you know, 100 NT for donations. Nothing is ever too small. We've been speaking to Lisa Milne. She's the chairperson for Animals Taiwan. You can learn more at the website animalstaiwan.org. That's it for the show today. As always, we'd love to hear what you thought of the program. You can leave us a comment on our Facebook page or rate and review Taiwan Talk on iTunes. You can also leave a comment on the ICRT blog, where we've posted some pictures of the center, along with links to articles about the issue of strays in Taiwan. Thanks for listening. For ICRT, I'm Keith Manconi.